I see you're recording. Okay, now, now can you hear me? Yes, now I can hear you. Right, how's the snap crackle pop today? Oh, it's non-existent. What yeah. happened? It better not be. I, I, uh, so, bloatware. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I think when you lost me, though, did you mention new laptop? Is that what I heard? So, I used to podcast on my Chromebook, and I know you've always given me shit for that, and it was, it was great, it was consistent, it was wonderful. It didn't auto-update and reinstall new bizarre sound services. This is I podcast from my VR laptop. I, I know, I'm such a bourgeois shit. I have a VR laptop. <laughs> Time's up. Let's do this. I'm ready. I'm not ready. Welcome, dear listener, to the QQ Cast. Today is Wednesday, December 30th, 2020. We're your hosts, Tom DuPont and Raul Torres. Say hi, Ruby. Hi, Ruby. And this is not a Zelda-themed podcast. I never get tired of making that joke. <laughs> uh, this, dear listener, is Quest 133. What are some forgotten, direct, good sequels? Question mark. So uh, this criteria is super, super specific. Because you can go look up online, what are some forgotten sequels? Like, things that you're like, they made a sequel to Patent? And like, yes. And George C. Scott reprised his Oscar-winning role? Yes. And it was terrible? Yes. There's all sorts of things that you wouldn't even know existed that are forgotten that are best left forgotten. But I kind of wanted to talk about some things that are um, fun or awesome in some way that just don't get talked about. Either that was the end of the franchise or it was... Again, there's things that came after it, and so people just don't think about these anymore. But I want it to be direct number two, so not, you know, the fifth entry in the Star Wars movies was pretty good. You know, like, I don't want to be like that. Direct forgotten good sequels. I know that sounds super specific, but I've got a list here of at least three movies and four video games to talk about. Um, so really, forgotten. what do you think? Oh, the, the forgotten part is throwing me off, because I, I I think, but what is, what is the definition of forgotten? Because I think that's that's going to be a good one. Yeah, I mean, we can just kind of, I think that's the most flexible criteria. I, I'm defining this as not really in the popular zeitgeist. We don't reference these things. We don't make jokes about them. It's not that you'd say, oh, there was a sequel to blank? I didn't know that. It's that we never talk about them. They just never come up. When you talk about something, you talk about the original. You talk about something else in the franchise. You don't talk about these. So this can be, I think, I think the forgotten part is the most flexible part of the criteria okay well cool um so let's start out with i have uh i have a couple of movies uh two of which well the first one i'll do the first one here let's do this this is a little christmas themed and so perfect timings we just passed christmas we're on our way to the new year so um batman returns the second batman movie really does that meet the criteria of being forgotten but good and a direct sequel i want to say Yes, within the past five years, but there's being this like this really weird. Past um, five? Why five? What do you mean by five years? Because because just because <laughs> just recently, just recently, there's been this weird like My- Michael Keaton, right? He was he was Batman in those, right? Yes, the first two, the Tim there's Burton been this movies weird with, with Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton Renaissance, like ever since he he uh, like um was the Vulture in Spider Man. I'm seeing more folks kind of like talk about how much they actually liked like the uh, the original Batman and kind of give the sequel a little bit more credit. So it's like I, I say that because like I feel like the forgottenness is um 
certain movies go through this like phase like it's like they're remembered for a decade and then afterwards they go off the radar and then you see a bunch of um you know all these particular like things be like hey like this this unfor you know this forgotten gem of whatever and people kind of get on the bandwagon um and actually uh, there was a little comic i need to see if i i find it it's basically uh the algorithm for that is you look at the age of a lot of the writers and then you kind of figure out what was popular when they were 12 years old and there's <laughs> going to be like prime material for like hey remember this thing that was freaking awesome but you know whatever people forgot about it was well, because it was awesome when you were 12 and it's stuck in your memory <laughs> and, and and once they said that like everything clicked because like i've i've had a theory about that forever so hearing someone say that as well is pretty good so um i think there's a people that were 12 that love Batman Forever because it was their second Batman. Not forever. And, not forever. God, not forever. Not for, Forever's the third yeah, movie. Forever. Yeah, the, returns. Uh, <laughs> the returns. Um, yeah, it had the Penguin, Dan, Danny DeVito Penguin. Yep. Uh, it was a Christmas theme. Had Catwoman. It was. It was a good movie. Yep. Michelle Pfeiffer is Catwoman, and um, it, when you have top billing like Danny DeVito is the Penguin, and Michelle Pfeiffer is Catwoman, everybody also forgets that Christopher Walken was was Max Shrek. Honestly, the real villain of the movie. Um, so Christopher Walken doing his best Walken impression. I don't know. I got actually what's funny is uh, Max Shrek's son is in the movie, and so literally that actor is doing a Christopher Walken impression to Christopher Walken in the movie. Yeah, and, and this kind of tracks, right? Because like, what I would be, what how old would I be when I, when this movie came out? Oh shit! What year was this? Early nineties, right? Ninety-two. That's okay. So I'd be like, I'd be like six. Like this is this is where I feel like that's kind of in the range where I'm seeing a lot of more people who are older than me, then start talking about, hey, remember Batman's Returns? It was actually better than you think it was. So, um, I think I think it's it qualifies a little bit more today, but um, I think maybe in the next couple of years there's going to be more people kind of hyping it up as like, hey, remember this? Remember Batman Returns? Yeah, you're right about the Keaton Renaissance, and he had like the other. I never actually saw the Birdman movie. If you've seen that. Um, I think now I, he's... I, I saw it. That, that, that's a whole other segue. I'll say, yes, I've seen it. Yes. Yeah. I think that um, the, the Flashpoint movie... So, God, both the DC and the Marvel Cinematic Universes are doing... There's rumors they're getting ready to do, you know, multiverse crossovers, right? So Spider-Man, yeah. it's been confirmed that a bunch of Spider-Man people from, like, the Sam Raimi trilogy are going to come and show up. And there's also talk about, in the Flashpoint movie, having multiple Batman show up. They know Batfleck yeah. will show up. And I think there's also been rumors like, are they going to get Michael Keaton? Because let's be honest, that'd be fucking yeah. awesome. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely in the, again, in the public consciousness right now. Um, I, I like the little theory about if it was 12, that's when the writers are going to remember it. That's hilarious and probably accurate. Um, yeah, but here's, here's the spoiler, man. This movie was always cool as hell. Like, it was, like, th this was... You know, this was early on for Tim Burton, but I, I think Tim Burton peaked early and then kind of just slid for a long time since there. Um, so this was peak Burton. This was, again, everyone who worked in the first movie returning, Danny Elfman for the score. Uh, we just talked a ton about Michael Keaton as Batman. Um, you know, Danny DeVito being cast as the Penguin was, like, unheard of. And, again, they're doing the dark Burton thing, and so his bodysuit was insane. And, like, photos of that leaked, and I forget, like, Entertainment Weekly or something like that. People blew, it blew their minds. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, of course... Uh, just, oh my god, uh, sexy and sultry as hell. Like, this movie is really cool. Is it perfect? Hell no, but it's awesome. And it's also remarkably dark. The whole Batman doesn't kill. Batman is killing motherfuckers right in the, <laughs> in the first, like, five-minute opening of the movie. Maybe not directly. I mean, if he kicks them and they happen to go into the stream of the jet engine, I mean, it's the jet engine that yeah. killed them, not Batman. Like, they 
do better. Or if he puts a bomb on them and then throws them into a sewer and it blows up. You didn't see them die, so maybe they're fine. They're just concussed. Yeah, no. Um, it's it's so dark. Like uh, Christopher Walken murders, you know, Selena Kyle and Danny DeVito's trying to kill the firstborn children of Gotham. Um, it 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 is like if you thought the first movie was dark, this movie is even darker. And so this being you know, the Christmas movie, and it's super dark. And I think there was a scandal with, like, McDonald's was pissed. They're like, how are we going to make children's toys of this movie? Um, <laughs> but it was always awesome. And so I would tell you, again, forgotten, good, direct sequel. Batman fucking returns. So I've I've got an interesting one. Do I think it. it's going to count. Um, so I believe technically. Technically? <laughs> technically. It's <laughs> a great way to start. The Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton is going to be a sequel of the Marvel Universe because it is the second film in the whole timeline. Oh, that is you are cheating so bloody hardcore. I am. I am. But you know know what? I'm going to I don't know. Also, I don't don't know if it's good because I haven't seen it. I'm going to give you this one because they they brought back um, uh, William Hurt as General Ross. They make reference to the events of that movie. So it is it is like the the stepchild of the MCU. So I actually, I love that you brought this up. I'm going to give you this on technicality. I think that's brilliant. Okay, really, why is it good? I've never seen it. Um, I don't know if it's, I, I remember, I don't even remember seeing it. Chat, you have too many criteria. <laughs> Second and forgotten, maybe not good. Um, I mean, I think everyone thought that Ed Norton seemed like a good fit for The Incredible Hulk. Um, other than that, um... I honestly keep confusing it with the... Wasn't there another Hulk movie by the Crouching Tiger guy? Um, or was it this movie? Uh, I you know, Ang Lee did... Yes, the Ang Lee did the Hulk with Eric Bana, which is not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Ed Norton's is part of the Cinematic Universe, even though they recast him as... Uh, Mark Ruffio, yeah. Yeah, with Mark Ruff- Ruffalo in Avengers. Ruffalo, yeah, there you go, yeah. Um, not good, but definitely forgotten. So um, it's, it's weird, too, though, just because it's just like given how everyone is like been obsessed with like you know the uh marvel universe and everyone like you always hear iron man and then i guess the third one in order would technically be iron man too so um yeah i'm saying marvel cinematic universe i'm yeah, going I with love, the technicality that's i love your I little cheat there that's brilliant was was <laughs> iron man 2 out before uh captain america the first avenger uh yeah it was okay. uh, iron man 2 was 2010 and captain america was 2011 and then would it be 2012 would have been Thor? Actually, Thor was before that, or really? 2011. So I think um, they both came out the same year, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah, good technicality. And I wouldn't even put Iron Man 2 in here. It's still kind of the whipping boy, the MCU. Um, it's not the best, but it's not bad. I don't know. Eh. Mm-hmm. Iron Man 2 is also fine. It's fine. Well, cool. You want me to keep going down my, my list here? Um, yeah, good on your list. So this is a movie that like wasn't supposed to well it was supposed to get made and then it got shelved and then finally uh when the producers finally got their shit together like we really want to make this movie can we get like the original director back we there's people back they were all like we don't want to make this movie and the studio said look we'll give you basically free reign we'll give you a a fucking blank check and you can do whatever you want without tampering just go to town and have fun and they were like oh oh we can do this I am, of course, referring to Gremlins 2, the new batch. <laughs> oh, it's funny, because I, I just saw Gremlins the other day with my child, and that was an interesting ride. Oh, really? How'd you yes. like it? 
Um, she was kind of scared of it for most of it, but um, she likes scary stuff, and I'm trying not to make her like scary stuff, but it's just it's in her DNA. She can't deny it. I can't deny it either. See, that's so. that's why you're a great parent. If you try to get them into something, you'll fail guaranteed. If you mm-hmm. don't, and it's just what you like, then if they gravitate towards you, you know you're doing a great job. Yeah. So as far as take Gremlins the compliment, two... Ruli. Why? Thank you. <laughs> uh, as far as Gremlins Two goes. This is one of those shows that I, I either we had like a VHS copy or like when we had HBO back in the day, it was just like constantly running on repeat. But uh-huh. I feel like I've seen this movie far too much <laughs> to, to even consider it like like it. I mean, it's it is what it is. Like, I don't even like even from like the plot perspective, like because I rewatched one because I haven't seen one too many times, like the way it ends, like how the heck did he get Gizmo back? Like, I'm like, I don't even know any of like how like all, all I know is just like. They're in some mall of the future. The original and, Baby Yoda. Yeah, the, the mall <laughs> of the future, and like DNA comes to play, and they have different versions of the Gremlins, and it's it's a that's silly, just, ridiculous movie. When you don't think subplots. about the plot, but now when I start thinking about the plot as an adult, I'm like, what is this 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 mess? Well, yeah. They they had no so again um like Joe Dante was the director and people forget that the original Gremlins was uh, produced by Steven Spielberg he was like really into it and it was actually like the original cuts and stuff were way darker and they had to lighten it up a bit for theaters and, and audiences um and then like the band broke up they were like yeah we're we're like you know we don't want to make another movie the studio was initiated at first but but Gremlins was so successful and it sparked like a series of creature features um creepers and oh, I I forget I haven't seen most of the other ones but it it just like it had this like after effect of like all these creature films getting made. And so finally the studio was like, shit, we really want another Gremlins movie. And again, Joe Dante and all the other like the puppet masters, everybody else, can you guys come back and do another one? They were like, we don't want to. And they're like, look, we'll we'll give you a blank check, go do it. So literally, the plot of Gremlins 2 was just created so that the puppeteers and the, the guys making the movie could come up with as many batshit crazy <laughs> ideas as they could to shove into the movie. Oh yeah, because that, that's that's all I remember from the the thing is just the gags. You've got the uh, I don't even know um, how PC to talk about it these days, but you have the grim the gremlin woman, you have uh, electric <laughs> gremlin, you have the intellectual yeah. gremlin. Like there's just so many things, the spider gremlin, yeah. all those things. It's just like so many iconic like characters or like little I even see characters but, like yep. creatures that are there for like thirty seconds and gone, but they all have little cool moments. Yep, they literally had a bat gremlin, uh, so they'd go bat shit crazy. And when it flies out of a wall, it leaves behind the bat logo for Batman. <laughs> it's uh, it's just, it's insanity. Um, and this is another movie that, again, was crazy bizarre, but I think was always awesome and was always fun. And it was never meant to be, again, like the gremlin sequel or yeah. horror returns. This was this was like puppeteers and and you know horror people having fucking fun making this movie i think it was always awesome uh one of the other things too is, is it's the those at the fourth wall third wall I'm, I'm very tired so words are skipping me the the fourth wall break with hulk hogan as well demanding uh, that the gremlins fix the projector oh and God, it's just so I weird seeing that, that on, yes, on like that a television a break so so many <laughs> like God. weird things and it's just like like i get that the creatures are related to the first one but it's like it's it's yeah, it's one of those things where it's like literally its own movie. Yeah, no, they're, they're making it. They're the whole thing was to be a satire of like daytime television. They're just like they have a network that all lives in this one tower, and they're all just trying to crank out content. So you have like the Dracula guy is now the wannabe news anchor, and so he's reporting on the Gremlins. And you have the cooking shows, and that's where the Gremlins go. And you're right, there's the fourth wall break where the Gremlins break the projector, and Hulk Hogan yells at them to fix it, and put the movie back on. I'd forgotten about that gag. 
You have oh, Robert no, no, Picardo is one of the bosses in it. Uh, and the other, the other oh thing too, because like um, random YouTube videos I've been watching this year, or I guess even last year, kind of fairly recent to me at least, is is like um, analog horror stuff, which is basically like it's like a weird offshot of like found footage, but it's just like, Hey, here's like these videotapes of like, that are oddly scary and stuff. Um, and I mentioned that because like, like other kind of like niche thing is like the doomsday tape, right. That that's like, um, supposedly every network has some tape that they're going to play when it's the end of the world, you know, tapping these things, you know, saying blah, 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 kiss your family, we'll buy whatever. And that also is in that, that film too. It just so many like weird, <laughs> like little niche things all over the place. It's, um, it's good. Yeah, dude, freaking Gremlins too, man. Uh, awesome, forgotten, second in the in the series, and and last, unfortunately. But so, uh, so, okay, yeah. but this this let's. I want to dig into one last thing though. When you say <laughs> forgotten, I remember it quite fondly, and I'm pretty sure other people that talk about it also do. So so why do you consider it forgotten? Well, who, when was the last time you had a conversation about Gremlins fucking two? When does that come up? Like Red Letter Media makes jokes to Gremlins occasionally, but aside from like obscure YouTube channels. No one references Gremlins 2. Everyone knows Gremlins. You know, we just had Halloween. Or not Halloween, Jesus. We just had Christmas, and people have Christmas Gremlins sweaters. But Gremlins 2 is just not... It's not that it's not remembered fondly. It's just, again, it's just not really remembered much. People know about it. People do love it. But we don't talk about it. We don't reference it. And so that's why I'm calling it Forgotten. Uh, that, like okay. I said, that's the loosest of the criteria. Because it's a direct right. sequel, and I definitely think it's good. And I'd say Forgotten only because, again, it's not pop it's not in the popular zeitgeist it's not common for yeah. us to refer to it so 1990 <gasps> that puts it in a time frame yeah i think a lot of stuff i'm going to talk about is the late 80s early 90s mm. so um really, i have, a, I have a quick quick mic check question do you hear my child crying in the background i do not actually fantastic <laughs> <laughs> okay a good parent right um, here okay so i i'll be honest i am I am struggling with meeting all the criteria. Um, so I want to throw one that we've talked about. Wing it, bro. And, made, and we've made jokes in the past. Um, I feel like it's more so it wants to be forgotten because people just didn't like it and force it out of their memory, not because of anything else. But I'm going to go with Highlander 2 on this one. Oh, see, I don't. I um, wouldn't say good. I, I would say it meets two or three criteria, but I wouldn't say good. Go ahead. That's this, this, this is where I also struggle with some of the goodness stuff. Because, like, I mean, like, I give it credit for what it's trying to be. It, it's you, you still, like, at the end of the day, it's a science you watch fiction a movie, movie like Highlander. We're from the planet Zeist. <laughs> When you watch a movie like that, you're watching it for the sword fights and the beheadings. You're not watching it for its intellectual appeal. You're watching it for Michael Ironside hamming it up in every scene. That's what you're watching it for. Yeah, yeah, and and that's where, like, my, like, it's, it's like, for me, it's, like, my definition of good at movies is, like, so all over the place. Like, critically acclaimed versus, like, (laughs) going into a movie, knowing what you're getting in, getting exactly that, right? So... um, But that's not what people thought they were getting when Highlander 2 came out. This is a little before our time, but, like... That's what people thought they were getting, right? They had, like, Highlander 1 was this movie about, you know, this guy who lived throughout history, and he's, you know, we're flashing back to World Wars, and we're flashing back to, you know, the Scottish Highlands. Then Highlander 2 comes out, and it's like, uh, science fiction dystopia, anyone? Aliens, anyone? Yeah. Yeah, we're doing this. Yeah, and, and, I, and I guess that's that's where it's, like, a difference for me, at least. It's like... <laughs> I didn't have that anticipation of seeing what this movie was going to be. I already know, oh, the second one, the one with aliens. It's ridiculous. Like, that, that, that was already established with me going into it and knowing it. And, like, it's... I think it's good. <laughs> and people want to force it out of their memory oh. because it's bad. Yep, so. I, we're going to agree to disagree on this one, bro. <laughs> 
Um, I have I have another one. I I can't. I don't. Hold on, hold on. Let's, to... let, let's oh, alternate. Let's alternate. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my last movie. Okay. Uh, so my last movie on my list. And dear listener, we don't put excessive research into this. I I did pregame a little bit, but if there's others, I don't know. Uh, sorry, you missed it. Uh, Predator Two. Oh, it's so good though. I know, right? It's it's good. It's forgotten. It's the second in the I... series. Predator Two. I don't know how it's... It's not Predator 1. Predator 1 is just fucking phenomenal, and I love that fucking movie, and it's amazing, as we also talk about. We talk about the Alien vs. Predator movies. We talk about, man, why couldn't Robert Rodriguez's uh, Predators have been good? We talk about what a nightmare the Shane Black Predator was. No one talks about Predator 2, and it's kind of a shame, because it's it's not great, but it ain't bad. It's fun. I somewhat disagree on that because it's like there's there's no direct talking about it, but I feel like it had enough to be like a cultural kind of touchstone type thing where it's just like the like how much of the credit predator kind of jokes and kind of tropes are from one or like built with one and two right because like like did he have that little flying disc thing in the second one or in the first yes. one? I don't think he did. No, no, no. He only had the disc in the second one. And yeah, right, the disc. And, and, and I think the disc thing is a kind of a gimmick that is known to be associated with the Predator as like one of his core weapons. But like, it's even true. in the video game and all the other stuff, right? Like I guess I don't know if using the and video the, game is a good, good reference. He literally yeah, and, only has the shoulder cannon in uh mm-hmm. in Predator 1, he has the shoulder cannon and that's literally it. Yeah. Yeah. So well, and the claws on his arm. He has the claws. <laughs> so you could say there wasn't a lot of, well, maybe a little bit. I don't even know where to go with this. There was a little bit of canon in the first one, and more canon was well, established in the second one, well, like where he gets basically the whole James Bondy, all the gadgets and gizmos <laughs> and everything like that, and it really, really gets expanded and different out. Infrared, t- different infrared <laughs> visions. Um, yeah. Well, no, I love that you use the word canon because that really is. If if Predator Two was responsible for anything, the the fucking you know fan service easter egg of having the alien skull in the predator ship is what created the whole avp franchise it's great we created the comics it's created the movies what created the video games um and now we almost talk about alien versus predator as much as either independent franchise probably more than the predator franchise so admittedly predator 2 just by having that fucking alien skull created <laughs> canon that reinvented this franchise entirely I think there's also I know there's a Batman versus Aliens. This thing is, I think there's a Batman versus Predator as well. There's there's, sure. every, there's everything versus who, everything. Who has the world? <laughs> Actually, uh, um, I highly recommend uh, Bat Batman versus Aliens is a real thing. There's a comic. There's a couple. It's only a couple of comics. It's a little mini series. And um, uh, uh, what's what's his name? Louis Lovehog, I think. Uh, Lynn Cara of Atop the Fourth Wall is a YouTube channel. He did a great review of it. Um, I don't know. Check check it out. That's totally worth your time. <laughs> Batman vs. Aliens atop the fourth wall. Check it out. It's it's so worth your time. <laughs> so, um, my second one, again, it's hard for me to gauge on this. I, I'm primarily going off of the more so forgotten type of thing. The Rotten Tomato score is like around like what 69, 70. So I guess I does it even qualify as good? Do we even count Rotten Tomatoes? Um, but uh, Die Hard Two. Um, I only hear ever people talk about Die Hard One a, and how all the other Die Hard. What's up? That's a good answer. Yeah, I, I think folks like three, right? Is is three the oh, one yeah, where they're down downtown or something? Yeah, or, Die or Hard of the Vengeance, uh, where um, Bruce Willis is paired up with Samuel L. Jackson's Zeus, and they're it's it's Hans Gru- it's Hans Gruber's brother, I think, that has come back, and so they're driving around the city trying to solve riddles. Oh yeah, people love Die Hard, Die Hard Three. Die Hard Three is awesome. 
because it changed the formula. Die Hard 2 is kind of like a a fucking like soft remake of Die Hard 1, only now we're in an airport. It's it's not bad at all. It's a fun movie, but it's not nearly as good as as Die Hard 1. But uh no, again, great great uh subject to bring up. Great movie. Oh, good movie. <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing, like I'm trying to think of like specific things to say about Die Hard 2, and no, my little my little rant right there said like I have nothing else to add. Like basically, Die Hard one, but in an airport, and yeah, even, even now the, the description too. Like it sounds like Die Hard one, but in an airport. Yeah, and there's like I can't remember any like the action sequences that are interesting. There's not that many. Like oh man, but we've had we've said multiple John McTiernan sequels here. We had uh, McTiernan did Die Hard and Predator, so good stuff. Okay, well, I'm, I'm out of movies. Uh, that was my, my movie list. Do you have any more movies? And I, I have to, after this, I just have a couple of video games. Because I don't I have, have books. Enable, I have to enable ads for Rotten Tomatoes to see more <laughs> stuff. Because, uh, again, like, it's like it's like the, the combination of all the things. Like, um, Blair Witch 2, kind of thing of, like, horror circle things. Good. Like, that's it has like, to be good. God, hell no. But, but it's the same thing. Like, I've seen the same weird renaissance with, like, that one, too. Like, like it's like, it's so weird where it's just, like, um... I don't know if it's just like it's like the um the uh there's an appeal something if everyone hates it for like this small group of folks to like kind of champion it because uh, I've seen that with like a lot with like the the Nightmare on Elm Street two folks like there's like a huge huge like this is the one of the better films in the franchise y'all should need to learn to appreciate it type thing um I'm trying to think of other ones as well um that art checker um unblock unblock pause on this site there you go just, I will I will let I will let them show me ads. Um, well, with the, there's the a ton of, of there's a ton of horror movie sequels that you would know so much more about than me. Wasn't wasn't like uh, I don't know if it was like Friday the Thirteenth or Halloween. No, I think it was Halloween. Wasn't the second one they tried to make it like an the second or third one they tried to make like an anthology yeah, film or something? It was Halloween Halloween three. Okay, and that's that's where they just abandoned Mike Michael Myers. But you said direct sequel. It, it is yeah, no, it that is doesn't the meet third, the criteria. So yeah, no, no, I meet the criteria again. I don't know the horror series the way you do, so I, I can't say. Um, kind of scroll through this list. Um, Hellboy two. I think a lot of people liked Hellboy, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, well, Gil, you know, uh, Guillermo del Toro never got to make his his third movie in that trilogy, and I, I think everyone agrees Hellboy Two is better than Hellboy One. Um, but not that, I mean, Hellboy One was fun, but Hellboy Two, I think people consider it to be even better. But yeah, that that little mini series has dropped out of again people's consciousness. We had the reboot recently with uh, poor um, what's the actor's name from Stranger Things. Horrible. Oh, I mean, I, I wanted to see it, but I just saw the reviews for that. Yeah, I'm like, I, I don't have, I have no time. I didn't uh, see it let, either. Let's, let me keep going on this list. Um, I wonder, do you think Mad Max Two would kind of qualify? Because I feel like everyone talks about Mad Max. It kind of establishes a trope. Uh, no, Beyond Thunderdome, and then see, the, the latest one kind of yeah, get a lot of talk about it. But Two is just kind of there. The Road Warrior. Well, yeah, but that's the thing. The Road Warrior, which was interesting in that, like, and it was in, released under different names in different regions. But like, The Road Warrior was the second Mad Max movie, and I think everyone until Fury Road considered that to be like the best Mad Max movie. So I wouldn't have put it in the forgotten category. Is it a sequel? I, yes. It is it the is it fucking awesome? Fuck yes. But I wouldn't have called it forgotten because I think when people talked about the Mad Max series, I actually think people talked more about the Road Warrior than the original Mad Max. They just called it Mad Max, which is an no, interesting but, phenomenon. 
Wait, which, well, which one is the Thunderdome one? Thunderdome's the third movie, and that is yeah, because because I, I feel great. like that's the one that everyone talks about more. Because the, the Thunderdome, come on, how many tropes is that one established? Yeah. So it's well, just that's... the the the, the post apocalyptic <laughs> gladiatorial battle type thing that's like been done so many times in so many different ways. I feel like that's the one that folks remember the most, and like the well, one it's... that established it, right? But like two is just like like tell me something about two that happens there, right? It's just like. Yeah. What's, no, what's an iconic oh, I, thing about oh, it? I can tell you all about too. I love the Road Warrior. Um, <laughs> you're you're kind of right in that that is like the Beyond Thunderdome is the the tropey everybody makes fun of it, and it's actually kind of akin to you know we started this by talking about Batman Returns, and people make fun of the Schumacher movies because they're so over the top and so campy, and so even though they're not great movies, they're they're memorable and they're you know kind of bizarre stuff that Schumacher was trying to do, and I think you can almost look at beyond Thunderdome that way, that when we talk about Mad Max, can people usually talk about Mad Max and actually refer to the Road Warrior, not the first movie, but then part three, Beyond Thunderdome being what it was, is is so weird and crazy that we actually make fun of it. It has it has outlived its its predecessors almost through infamy, not necessarily that it's bad, but like uh, it's it's really, again, it's a bizarre phenomena. I think I have one more, but I have to, let me, let me see what the ratings are. Oh, 39 it's again this is hard because like i i loved this movie to me it was good to me it was awesome because it explores the world and has like a lot of silly gags and it's fun um oh, you've God. got a spy thing you've got a bruce campbell cameo it's good um uh, but for some reason people just don't like cars 2 <laughs> it's so I good i didn't see that coming i didn't see that coming <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it. I don't know. I haven't seen any Light, cars. Lightning movies. McQueen is like trying to be a spy and all this other stuff, and they 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 explore the. I, I this is this one. Why is Toy Story? But I guess this is one of the other like first sequels for early sequels for the Pixar universe. Um, they go to like cars Tokyo and other things, and they have little sumo wrestling their cars. It's like so many silly like memorable things, and it's 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 a movie that I liked. I mean that's um, that's great to hear. Again, I I haven't seen uh, the Cars movies, so if uh, you're telling me part two is is better than part one, oh cool. no, it's not, it's not that you I never said better than the first one. Oh, <laughs> uh, but I liked it. It was good. Percent on Rotten Tomatoes. If that means anything, but <laughs> I'd watch it again. It's Mater. Mater ruins it for everyone. I blame him. All right. <laughs> well, cool. Um, so I, I, I got one little. I, again, I have the rest. I have is video games, but I have one little gray area maybe to talk about. Um, <laughs> Roll. Do you remember the Stargate franchise? <laughs> I mean, I'm aware that it's a thing. The, the Stargate franchise. Uh, for the record, I'm gonna say this was fucking awesome. Like we had the original movie by. Um, oh God, what was the director's name? Their producer, no, Brockheimer. Producer was Brockheimer. I forget the director's name. Um, and then they made Stargate SG-1, the series, which started on HBO and was like, it was crazy because it had boobs in the first episode. Boobs roll! Um, and then, of course, after season two, I think it got dropped by HBO and got picked up by Sci-Fi Channel. And it ran for ten seasons. It had the Stargate Atlanta spinoff. It had four made-for-TV uh, movies. And then it had Stargate Universe. And now the whole Stargate franchise is is on ice. And no one talks about Stargate anymore. I, never, I don't think it ever, like, Stargate never again, broke into the popular zeitgeist the way that Star Trek did, or Star Wars, or X-Files, or anything of the sort. But it was a great, great uh, set of sci-fi shows. Um, depending on how you look at it, Stargate SG-1 is the second entry in that franchise, right? There was the movie, and then there was uh, the series. But 
I don't know, like whether you're talking about SG One or Atlantis, no one talks about Stargate anymore. It is a, it is so sad that it is a completely for having been as huge as it was and having multiple series run for like again a decade, no one talks about it anymore. It is an absolutely forgotten franchise with forgotten entries. Whether that's the se- second sequel being SG One or the sequel to the TV show being Atlantis, it's just all forgotten. Um, so yeah, little little weird kind of gray area TV to movie sequel thing to stick in there before we go to video games, but. You never saw any Stargate? I mean, I saw it in passing because they're like it was on for like five hours straight on sci-fi <laughs> in the morning, block every hell and then and like I guess there's nothing else on. Um Ah, uh, syndication. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's just one of those series I just didn't really get into. Um SG one was really awesome. The the writing actually just kept getting better and better and better, and they actually the writers really cared about what they were doing and they had a remarkable continuity and even though it starts as such a cheesy bizarre premise it really it got really 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 good it was a really fun show yeah and i think for me it's like one of those shows where like like correct me if i'm wrong on this but like was it a little bit ahead of its time where it was like doing like the long story arcs pretty oh, consistently yeah. rather than being like completely episodic oh yeah so, absolutely. Like, i really felt like every time i would see an episode i'm like i have no clue what's going on because like something in the other previous episode or some other relationship or something's going on that I need to understand. And I, I don't understand it. And I just like, I just want to see him go talk to aliens and go explore worlds. And it's all this other layer on it that I'm, I'm sure is what makes it good. But I think that was like kind of before the, the recent Renaissance we've been having of like TV stuff. We're like, Hey, we want to have a TV show that tells one long story across three seasons. Yeah, no. Um, Again, the, the mid-90s had a whole bunch of shows that started doing that episodic, or not episodic, the serial storytelling uh, with, with Deep Space Nine and Babylon 5 and SG-1 and Atlantis. And yeah, they, they kept calling back to themselves. Um, they were at the turn of that, of that time, definitely. Uh, well, cool. I've got some video games to talk about. Chickens. Uh, All right. So, uh, Forgotten Sequel that wasn't bad. Now, this one actually, this is another, this is a game I would like to talk about in another podcast where we talk about, uh, let me check my notes, how did I phrase this? Um, Which sequels were not good sequels? And I want to talk about this game in in, in that context some other time. But I figured mentioning that it's not a bad game, but it's one that, again, no one talks about anymore. And that is Chrono Cross. Are you familiar with Chrono Trigger and or Chrono Cross? I'm familiar with Chrono Trigger. I think from you talking about it. <laughs> I love Chrono Trigger. Love it. It's the I think it's the best JRPG ever made. I think it's a masterpiece. <laughs> a 10 out of 10. Still absolutely holds up and is 100% worth playing to this day. One of my very good friends just played it a few months ago. And I kept texting him every couple of days because I was so excited to kind of like live vicariously through him. And he was like, oh, I just got this character. They're so cool. Oh, I said this twist. That was so neat. Oh, I just got the time machine. That was so great. Like, um, oh, my God. It's, uh, I love Chrono Trigger so much. Well, then Chrono Trigger on the SNES, which came out towards the end of the SNES's life cycle. And it was uh, a game created by the Dream Team. So, Ruli, you're familiar with Square Enix, the company, correct? Yeah. Well, Square Enix, remember, used to be Squaresoft and Enix were two separate companies. And after the horrible bomb and near financial ruin that the spirits within brought Squaresoft, they had no choice but to merge with Enix. And now they have the they are like the R, the JRPG juggernaut Square Enix and they create games. But they used to be two different companies. This was one of the very few, I think might be only time, where key employees from both Square and Enix worked together on a game before they merged. And that was to create Chrono Trigger. And of course, they got Akira Toriyama to do the art. So this was insane. You had this insanely popular, 
you know, name recognition artists doing the art. You had Squaresoft and NX working together on an RPG, and you got Chrono Trigger. It was phenomenal. It was amazing. Everyone has always reviewed it phenomenally. Well, then you get into the, the late 90s, and you get the sequel. It finally arrives on the PlayStation 1, Chrono Cross. And the problem with Chrono Cross isn't that it's a bad RPG. It's that it's a fucking terrible sequel to Chrono Trigger. It basically kind of just retcons some stuff about Chrono Trigger at the end of the story, and it has nothing to do with time travel, and it doesn't use the same combat mechanics, and it has random battles, and the art style, while gorgeous, is completely different. It's just a fucking terrible sequel to Chrono Trigger. Well, I guess I just blew my load from the other podcast subject there. But <laughs> but it's, it's not a bad game. It's not a bad RPG. It's just not a good sequel. And no one talks about this game anymore. The Chrono series has been dead ever since. No one discusses it. Um, so I'd put it in, again, uh, Forgotten, second entry in the series that no one talks about. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's actually really good. Okay. So Chrono Cross. Um, okay, this, this one's tough because I don't know if it's good. Also, I didn't know it existed until five minutes ago. Apparently there was a Tetris 2. Uh, yes. Was that on the SNES? Do I, like, look over at my wall real quick? It is on the SNES, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right there, I see it. EGM gave the SNES version an 8 out of 10. Then if you're a fan of the first one, then this will definitely will please. Um, apparently some people like Tetris 2. I didn't even know there was a sequel to Tetris 2. I thought every, every there was just constant variations to Tetris. Is it, is it like, any different than Tetris 1? I, I, didn't, I don't remember. I don't know that it's any different. Uh, let's see. Um, the player matches the color of the descending blocks to blocks that already filled the gap on the board. So it's just it's a color matching game. Yeah. Do, do you know the story? Uh, not to talk about Tetris One, Tetris Two, but it's way more interesting. Do you know the story of Tetris? Uh, there's a couple, right? Like I, the one that I recall is like the dude would like dream about playing the game before he even finished it, and I think technically Tetris is kind of unfinished because it was so addicting that he's just like whatever, ship it. Uh, actually, that was the story of me playing, making Tetris in high school uh, for my final project. <laughs> <laughs> um. But no, that's that's that might also be true. Um, there, dude, there is a wonderful documentary online by uh, a YouTube channel called The Gaming Historian that talks about the, sto- the true story of Tetris and the story that the guy who created it went through because he created it in Russia and he was trying to like license it originally it was for education and the 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 story of how it got created and how it got released to the world and why Nintendo picked it up um, where they were trying to think of a game to to release with the. Uh, with the Game Boy, and they didn't know what to release, and they had this bizarre puzzle game, and so some ex- execs were trying it. And when someone asked, I, I forget, I don't, I don't think it was Miyamoto, it was somebody else. They were like, "Hey, do you think this will succeed?" And they were like, "Oh yeah, it will." And they're like, "Why do you say that? Your secretary is playing it." Was the answer that they gave. Um, it's <laughs> the story of Tetris is is so amazing. I don't just mean that as a nerd. Yes, I am a nerd, but like it is an amazing story. So again, the gaming historian, I cannot recommend enough watching his. I think it's like. 40 minutes or hour long. It's a long video, uh, but it is so worth watching. So, and I don't know shit about Tetris 2. <laughs> I, I know that I own it and it's on my wall back there. And I didn't know that oh, wow. until you said it. <laughs> well, there's mine. Tell All right. Have more. I do. So, um, so the next, the next games I'm going to get into here, I'm going to talk about two different games that, um, this is the era of gaming in the eighties. That was weird. Companies didn't know how to make sequels yet. Um, 
they didn't realize, as we have, of course, learned from our corporate overlords today, and then we've perfected in the 2020s, you could just keep repackaging the same shit over and over again and slap a new name on it, and everybody will love it over and over and over NBA, and over again. 2K, yeah. 19 plus they, one. This was the early 80s. They didn't know that yet. They thought when you had to make a sequel, you had to like make like a new game with like new mechanics and new things. So um, I'm going to talk about two games here on this. So let's start out with, uh, let's do it in alphabetical order. Castlevania 2. Ruli. Do you remember Castlevania 2? I want to say a little bit, but all the Castlevanias slowly blur together. It's just the dude with the whip dropping around, some variation of that. And then some extra mechanic, like yeah. which one was 2? <laughs> well, so there was the original Castlevania, and as it got ported from console and console and system to system, there's actually multiple versions of Castlevania 1. That's a whole thing in and of itself. But then it came time to make on the Nintendo Entertainment System Castlevania 2. Uh, and it became Castlevania Simon's 2. Simon's Quest. Yes, Simon's Quest. Thank you. And it's it's basically the world's first, like, open-world game. It was like an RPG where you had to go from place to place, and there was a day-night cycle, and you had experience points, and you leveled up, and you had to collect a bunch of items. It is not, a, like, a level-by-level level game like Castlevania was. They basically tried to make, like, a, again, an open-world RPG on the NES. And it's not bad. It's not great. I don't really recommend playing it. But it's it's not bad, and, and one thing is for sure, it was super fucking ambitious. But again, outside of its its being a curiosity that it is again kind of one of the first open world games, it doesn't get talked about, it doesn't get discussed. It's just it's just gone. Um, so I thought about the criteria of second second entry is kind of forgotten, but is is actually pretty good. Uh, again, I, I don't really recommend like run out and play it today. No, but it's it's so unique in what it tried to do. Castlevania two. I don't remember it, but all those mechanics you talk about, I feel like, haven't they been in all the other games? So if it's the one that was the trailblazer on that. Good, I mean, good. no, they, they kind of just went back. Like, after this, they had Castlevania III, uh, Dracula's Curse. Phenomenal game. I love that game. Um, and they, they got rid of basically all of that. They went back to just being level by level, but they put in multiple characters. But they, they did bring back elements of Castlevania II in future, like, way decades later, future Castlevania games. But uh, I digress. So the next one is, in alphabetical order, Zelda 2, uh, The Adventure of Link. This went from being a top-down game to a, well, it had a, it was a hybrid. It had a top-down map, then you got into battles and it became a side-scroller. And again, just like Castlevania, they added RPG mechanics. And Link would get more magic and more abilities. Um, they completely changed the formula in Zelda 2. And again, aside from the novelty of it, it's just not something that we talk about. When you talk about Zelda... You think about top down, or then you think about you know the Ocarina series, uh, like well, what, the, the template that Ocarina defined. Um, you don't. No one talks about Zelda two. Uh, it's funny because you you mentioned this one and, and the side scrolling thing, and like, wasn't what was that? Was it a fever dream? But wasn't there some other like random <laughs> like seed C- Nintendo CD thing that wasn't like the oh the CDI the mythical so, something like that, right? Because like yes. I remember like there's like a weird Mario <laughs> game that everyone forgets about. Like I always keep thinking that the that Phillips was like CDI. Yeah, I, I always keep thinking that 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 Zelda two was like on that console. Like that was an actual NES game. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, NES game. No, 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 no. The CDI was a, a different system entirely. It was, uh, again, Philips was trying to create their own no, no, console. No, I'm saying uh, Zelda 2. That, that was on, on the NES, right? Because I keep oh, thinking yeah, yeah, it was yeah. on, the, on that console that everyone no. forgot. No, Zelda 2 was on the uh, on the NES. And then the Zelda franchise went dormant between that and uh, A Link to the Past, which, of course, reinvigorated it. And then 
uh, just because I'm having fun telling the story of this franchise here. So it went dormant until Link to the Past, and the Link to the Past obviously went back to the original Zelda 1 top-down formula. Mwah! Practically perfected it. It was an amazing game. And then um, some engineers at Nintendo, just having the, the dev kit for the Game Boy, were like, man, I wonder if we could recreate Link to the Past on the Game Boy. And so these engineers, just in their spare time trying to create an engine to do that, ended up being the engine that was created to do Link's Awakening. So, uh, again, everyone just, the devs, everyone just kind of cut Zelda 2 out. Like, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. We're going back to Zelda, uh, the original Zelda for Link to the Past. And then we're going to try to recreate that on Game Boy. And they ended up not obviously recreating it. They created a different game, but created an engine to try to be similar to it, which is what created Link's Awakening. Or, yeah, Link's Awakening, which then led to the Oracle games, which were actually done by Capcom. The first time Zelda had been outsourced to another company to make other Nintendo since the CDI, because that was such a horrible, horrible, terrible mistake. Um... Which, side note, just recently, just like in the past month or two, someone completely recreated the Zelda CDI games. There's two of them, I believe. And completely recreated them with like modern assets and modern technology so that people could experience them. So, yeah, okay, sorry, this is way off the rails now, but uh, Zelda 2's a thing. <laughs> hey, hey, um, Minji Gaiden 2? I don't remember it, so maybe it meets the criteria. <laughs> Oh, I'm seeing it's relatively high scores. Well, I mean, high-ish. IGN, 8.5 out of 10. But I guess, how how is it, like, relative, like, rating these things now? So, I didn't even know. It's all relative. I, I thought there was only the, the sequel on, what's it called, on uh, the the latest. I, I, I say next gen, but it was, like, what, like, two generations ago now? <laughs> well, yeah, like, in the Xbox 360, I think, is when they, they rebooted the Ninja Gaiden franchise. It was It actually was pretty successful, I think. Yeah. Um, at least for the first couple of entries. And it was, there is a Ninja Gaiden 2 on the NES and SNES. So yeah. there you go. Well, and then, yeah, they made the Ninja Gaiden Trilogy, uh, which is an up version of all of them for the SNES, which is one of the rarest, most expensive SNES games you can get. And I don't, I don't remember it, so I don't know. Maybe it meets the criteria just fine. It's, it's certainly a sequel, it's certain forgotten. I don't know <laughs> if it's any good or not. I don't remember. <sighs> well, I got, I got one more game on my list, but uh, what, what do you got before we, before we wrap up? That's that's all I got. I've been I've I've been struggling the entire time. I'm I'm surprised I've come up with I've come up with. You got some good ones. Man. I give a pat on myself on the back for that one. <laughs> um, wait 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 wait. Maybe I have no. Well, I don't even remember the first one. Preparation, no. dear listener. It's what we don't do. Gauntlet <laughs> two. I remember playing the one, the first one on the SNES, and I remember the arcade one. Yeah. No, and I remember the new newer one. Yeah, Gauntlet new, two newer was just one Gauntlet one like, with more features. I don't remember it being radically different than Gauntlet one. Yeah, nah, don't go for it. You, you have the last one. Well, cool. The last one I was going to say was Metroid 2. Now, I know that sounds like God, who he shut up about Nintendo games, but remember, Metroid 2 was on the Game Boy. So you had Metroid 1, which was a huge success, um, genre defining the Metroidvania, as it would later be called. Um, you know, first female protagonist, even though that was a bit of an Easter egg, they snuck that in. And then you have Metroid 2 on the Game Boy. Which, again, um, even though it was quite well-reviewed at the time, and it was quite a technical feat for having accomplished that, and it was the direct sequel to Metroid, people don't talk about Metroid 2. You talk about Metroid, you talk about Super Metroid, you talk about the Prime trilogy. No one talks about Metroid 2. Now, a few years ago, they made a remake of Metroid 2, um, uh, Return of Samus, or Samus's Return, I forget which way you put those words. Because um, the first one was called like Samus's Return, and then the remake was called Return of Samus. They flipped it. Uh, that was for the 3DS, and it's fairly well reviewed. But the thing that was interesting about that was that there was a fan project that had been in the works for nearly 10 years called AM2R, 
another Metroid 2 remake because a bunch of people had tried to remake Metroid 2 over the years and no one ever completed the project until finally a guy who flippantly named his another Metroid 2 remake <laughs> did complete it. He did release it for like the anniversary of Metroid. And then, of course, Nintendo immediately DMCA'd their asses and a, less than a year later announced that, hey guys, we were we were actually making a Metroid 2 remake all along. Um, so there's AM2R, there's the 3DS remake, but outside of that little spike of time where we were getting a remake, Metroid 2 is a forgotten a forgotten game, but it's not a bad game. Again, it's, I wouldn't recommend you run out and play it. It is a Game Boy game. It is absolutely a product of its time. It is limited. It's like, it, it's like Iron Man 2 or 3, whatever it is. <laughs> I'm limited by the technology of my time. You know, it, it's very much that. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, I, I didn't play it on the Game Boy, and then I I recall you actually mentioned it was coming out, and I remember I I literally I it was like one of the last physical copy things that I bought for the the new new updated 3ds. <laughs> the new 3ds. <laughs> And I was excited about it, and I think it was just, like, a bad timing. I think that's, like, when I was, you know, moving somewhere or something like that. And then, like, I think that, I think when that came out, too, like, probably, like, weeks or months later, I think they said that the 3DS was dead or something. There was some there was some news of basically things saying, like, like, th- like 3DS stuff is going nowhere. Well, to, to and... be very clear, Nintendo never declared the 3DS dead until... Like two years into the Switch's life. Um, so even though Metroid was one of the very last games to be released, it was released after the Switch, Nintendo was still hedging its bets. They they were not uh, willing to say, oh, the Switch is the, the successor to both our handheld lines and our home line, because they needed to make sure it was going to be successful. So when they released the Switch, even though people immediately asked, does this mean the 3DS is dead? Is this the sequel of 3DS? Nintendo was like, no, no, it is not. Um, and they still were releasing AAA games like Samus Returns to make sure that people knew the 3DS line was still alive. But I'm pretty sure that was the last first-party major title they released for it. Yeah, and and I get what you're saying by, like, um, not officially saying it was dead. But, like, I think, like, looking at, like, projected games, I think, like, the last one that was I was super hyped about on the Game Boy was, like, I wouldn't even consider it a report, but, like, they had Smash Brothers on, on the DS. And I thought yeah, that was pretty rad. That was not the big deal. Yeah, that was a big deal, and then that when the Metroid came out, and then after that, it was just like a wasteland of like a, even like news things were just basically like saying like there's no new games coming out. What should we think of this? Yeah, there's this other console, so like it it's yeah, it, it did they, have a very long ending where there was this major drought again. Like after Metroid, I don't think another major first party title came out, even though yeah, they no, never I can't stopped. Any of them. Yeah, they only stopped manufacturing like last year, I think. Um, yeah. So there was a very long period of time where Nintendo's like, no, no, it's fine, guys. We haven't killed it yet. But they weren't doing anything. But to be fair, it was selling like fucking crazy. Why would they yeah. kill it? I think it was the um, I forget the the name of the little grindy things. Was what is basically like your daily check ins for like uh, whatever you street pass. Street yeah, pass. That was the thing. Street pass was such a cool thing. Like I that like, was really cool. I I was so happy like because I lived like I was living near a area that had like tons of people always having their street pass on so like I would check it every day and I think I think they were closing street pass or something like that. And once I heard that I'm like I'm done with this thing. Like this this beautiful little console is never gonna get used again. So. Yeah. Metroid Two. That that is my Metroid Two story. <laughs> there you I, go. Bye bye. <laughs> well, cool. There you go. Uh... What are there's there's the answer to the quest, dear listener. What is her some forgotten great direct sequels? Whew, a little bit of a mouthful. Well, really, uh, thanks. I had thought that our last episode would be the last one for the year. I'm super excited we got to talk about this one. Uh, one of my New Year's resolutions is to prep more for the podcast, and so I, hopefully this is an example of 
uh, coming to the table with a little bit of a subject and a little bit of homework. Um, I got more more percolating, and especially if I ever watch Mandalorian, we can finish our fucking review of it. But uh, yeah, I haven't finished it yet. No, finish it. Finish oh, it. It's I'm, so I'm working, good. I'm working on it. Um, I Wait, actually don't, had... don't say it's good. Spoiler. I'm gonna have to edit that out now. People are gonna know that you liked it. <laughs> I mean. I said it's good. I like it as two different things. Um, <laughs> uh, potential things in the future. So, like, I actually had, like, some downtime, and I actually caught up on a bunch of stuff. I'm actually surprised. I saw the uh, the Spy... I would call it Spy Kids, Shark Girl sequel, whatever. Oh, Basically, my God. Robert, Robert Rodriguez thing. I, I we only can know be that exists. I don't know about it. We, we can be heroes. It's, it's uh, like, well, minor spoiler. Uh, Robert R- Rodriguez, if he does anything... I'm going to be there no matter what it is. And as much as that infuriates me, I'm going to be there no matter what it is. Were you there for uh, his recent gif that broke the internet? Oh, yeah. No, I think I saw that before you even mentioned it. Oh, so. God, it was so good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so We Can Be Heroes. I saw Soul. I saw Tenet. Um, Jesus. Uh, what else did I see? Um, I think that was about it. <laughs> I should but, be watching so, Tenet is, tomorrow. That is like so. a massive increase from what I've seen. So yeah, maybe, maybe we can get Zach in on the uh, the Tenet train. Um, but we'll see how that goes. I think there's a couple of things we can talk about there. Um, yeah, for you finish Mando. All right, I'm working on it. And again, hopefully it. I'm also working on Tenet, so we'll see. So dear listener, we'll return with some QQ reviews, probably. Hopefully we'll find out. Uh, either way, we'll return in 2021. Ruli, thanks again, man. Thank you, Tom. All right, and until next time, dear listener. Q Q. That, that, that second Q was a sequel to the first Q, but people don't forget it. That, so the, I think I think it cut out for you. I think you have your little your is voice that, picture thing is just you gotta say really? it deeper. I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't hear it. <clears throat> All right, dear listener. Q Q. <laughs> there you go. That works. <laughs> oh yeah, baby. Oh yeah. <laughs> Okay, now you have to stop. I'm 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 cutting it now. I'm sorry. It's just too much. <laughs> the end is coming. Hey, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. If you like what you hear, check out our website at qq-cast.com. We have multiple types of podcasts, quests, news, reviews, and our choose-your-own-adventure podcast, The QQ Adventure. That website, again, is qq-cast.com. Now, please remember that all views and opinions expressed on the podcast are representative solely of the person expressing them, not of their friends and family, not of their co-workers or co-hosts, and certainly not of their employers, past, present, or future. Again, thank you for joining us, and thank you for respecting our individuality.